Alright, so uh, we'll go ahead and uh, keep this party rolling here. Um, you know, uh, we could have spent the whole time doing a Father's Day teaching here this morning. We also could have spent the whole time doing a... Uh, we just got back from the pastor's conference. A lot of times we share thoughts from that. That could have taken up the whole time. And we're supposed to be doing a series, uh, part of this Believe series, part three. And so, since we couldn't do all of them here this morning and, and let you out by noon um, or sooner, um, we thought we'd just, we're going to stick to the series here. But I do just want to remind everyone, you know... Um, just Ephesians 6 to Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You know, as you have opportunity today, and, and we know it's not just today, but uh, it's probably, you know, a good excuse to especially go out of your way today, but honor your father as best you can, you know, and, and there's, there's a promise still attached to that for you. Even if you're not in the Sunday school ministry or things like that, God, God has a promise to every one of us if we honor our fathers and our mothers and that things will go well for you and you'll live a long life. And so let's, we'll keep that in mind today, but we're not going to spend more, uh, more time on that this morning. I think one of the things we're going to take away from the pastor's conference that we went to that talked a lot to fathers and men being spiritual leaders, um, we're going to probably do some things for dads here down the road, some uh, dad seminars and things like that just to help uh, equip and encourage and, you know... Um, you strengthen dads for their task here, but instead of just one day this year, we'll, we'll probably do something on the side here uh, later in the year or later this summer. So, but we'll go ahead and pray, and we'll jump into this uh, third miracle that we're going to look at here this morning. So, uh, guys, well, let's just bow our heads and ask God again to bless us here. The Father in heaven, we do just look to you this morning. God, we just want to honor you as, as our Father and as our Creator and the author of life. And I just pray that you would um, give us eyes to see you this morning, ears to hear from you as we look at this, this one passage, as we look at this, these 15 verses here this morning, that you would, we just ask you would speak to each one of us, reveal to us things that we need to hear, things that you want us to hear. God, I pray that you would affect our thinking and our hearts and our will, our actions. And we just want to turn this few minutes over to you that we have left here. Just ask for your blessing, ask you to be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we are going to continue here in part three of the Believe series. So if you have a house Bible, the passage we're going to look at today is from John chapter 5. Page 1054 in your house Bible. If, if you have your own Bible, that's great. Let you figure out where that's at. John chapter 5, page 1054. And we're really going to look at verses 1 through 15. I'm going to try to see what, uh, what things we might be able to apply to our lives, what things God might want us to catch here this morning. So many so many possible applications. We're just going to look at a few of them here. So um, let's just read this together. The healing at the pool. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. 
Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else comes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So let's, uh, as we look at this miracle here, we might just start by uh, trying to, to paint a picture of, of what was going on. You know, in some ways it reminds me of a movie where maybe it starts out with a, a big picture panned out and you get closer and closer, it hones in on the city, in this case Jerusalem, then it hones in even closer into this, this pool area, and then even down to one man, this man here who was healed. and. Um, I thought it'd be good to just try to take some time to to imagine what this scene must have been like. You know, at first glance, I think about uh, you know a modern day swimming pool. You know, where families and kids are everywhere around the pool, and it's the intermission time, whatever. They make you take a break. Because I used to hate that as a kid, you know, and I think my kids hate that today. But um, but everyone's sitting around, and eventually the lifeguard blows the whistle, and it's just like this mad dash. Kids screaming, jumping in a dog pile. In some ways I imagine it could have been like that, the scene that could have played out here. But, but if we look at it a little deeper, we might just try to see maybe a more realistic picture of what could have gone on. You know, imagine what the scene, what, what it would have looked like. There's this pool area, um, and there's literally hundreds of paralyzed and blind and lame and sick people laying around. Imagine that. Probably some makeshift crutches here and there and these sleeping pads that they were laying on and I don't imagine it was a real pretty or glorious sight and imagine what um, what it might have smelled like you know at first I was thinking you know a swimming pool chlorine nice and fresh but I don't think so imagine how some of these people might have smelled who were there some of them were probably laying on urine stained sleeping pads some of them probably might not have bathed for a while it might not have smelled as good as I thought at first glance. Imagine the sound. What sound do you think would have been coming from this area full of people who were sick and hurting and suffering? What do you think the sound would have been like? Groaning, moaning. Maybe people just talking to themselves and swearing out loud. I imagine it wasn't a very encouraging scene and then then you pan in even closer on this one guy who had been there and in that condition for 38 years 
and then enters Jesus, you know. And he comes up to this man, and, and that's where things take off. It's just, uh, boy, I just, I just can't even imagine what that would have been like, especially for this guy who'd been there. Um, let me see here. We're going to look at a few definitions. Um, what can we learn? The first thing we're going to look at is what can we learn about ourselves from this invalid, from this man who'd been incapacitated for years? What can we learn about ourselves? Um, he'd been there for 38 years. You know, first I'll look at a definition. Invalid here. Um, one who is incapacitated by a chronic illness or disability. He'd been in that condition 38 years. I can't imagine. You know, um, older versions of the Bible use another word, which we'll look, take a look at it just for some of the meaning. It, it has connotation in our days and age that, you know, we don't want to set the table that way. Um, impotent. Unable to take effective action. Helpless. Powerless. You know, I think we're going to use the word invalid more this morning because the other one can be a little distracting in our modern-day connotations. So, I think if we're going to put a sign out to advertise for this teaching, you know, big sign out on the side of the building, the healing of the impotent today. Um, we might have got more attention that way, but we're going to stick with the healing of the invalid here. But, but the, the meaning of it is still the same today. The helplessness, the powerlessness, the... Uh, inability to take action, the incapacitation caused by illness. And, and that's the heart of what was going on with this guy. You know, and at first we can think, well, how in the world does that relate to me? But I, I think physically speaking, none of us might be in that situation that this guy was in, but maybe spiritually speaking and in other areas of our lives, it, I think it would be good to examine and see if there's any... You know, the, the essence of being an invalid is a... Maybe an area in our life where there is a helplessness, uh, where you feel powerless. Maybe that has led to hopelessness. Maybe you're just stuck. This guy was stuck. He could not get into what he thought would bring him healing. Do you have an area of your life, men, women, where you're stuck, where you sense a, a helplessness? A powerlessness. Maybe even it's gone to a hopelessness. Something you've been battling for years. Something you've been trying to get success or freedom in. I just think it would be good for each one of us to take a moment to look at our lives and go, You know what? Maybe I can in some way relate to this guy. Maybe it's related to career. A career path you feel stuck in. Or a job situation that you're trying to get out of. Or schooling. Maybe it's related to character areas like sexual purity or contentment or so many other things. But I encourage you just to take a moment right here and if the Holy Spirit touches you, you might go, yeah, I can relate to that some way. Because we're going to engage with that thread throughout this message here. Um, so the next thing we're going to look at that we can learn from the symbolit is this. Um, let's see here. Can you identify any errors in your life? that you might feel the same way. Um, the next thing we can learn from him, let's see if I get my slides moving here. There we go. So Jesus is interacting with him and he, and he asks this guy if he wants to be made well and here's his answer. I think in his answer, we see maybe a little more of what was going on there. You know, he says, do you, do you really want to be made well? He says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And one of the first things that stands out to me is 
But this guy gave excuses for why he was the way he was. No one helped him. No one helped him change. No one helped him get in the pool. If only someone would have helped me, I wouldn't be in this condition. In areas in our lives, we can have excuses too. He also blamed others. You know, I would have been in there, but that person jumped in ahead of me. Sometimes we find ourselves saying that in ministry opportunities or in career opportunities. Oh, I almost had that job, but someone else took it from me. Man, we can blame them. We can grow bitter towards them or towards management. Other things. Um, He also had a game plan that... It was different than God's game plan. As a matter of fact, his game plan didn't seem to include God at all. And, you know, at the same time, his game plan yielded the same result for 38 years. How's your game plan going? You got a game plan that you're just holding to, clinging to, that God can't maybe pry it out of your hands? How's that going for you? You ready to get some different results? Like this guy I think was maybe ready to get. But, um, you know, again, in these areas, we might look for excuses that we have that overlap these areas we feel stuck in. Or look for blame shifting. Oh boy, if I just had, if my accountability partner was just better, I wouldn't be stuck in this. Or maybe you've got a game plan that you think, you know, this is, I, I read the Bible, I take the best out of the Bible here, and this is my game plan, and surely God would want this for me. Maybe God's got a different game plan than your biblical but man-made game plan. Be good to look that over, check your heart and see because it seems like this guy had, had all of these. So those are some things we can examine in ourselves that maybe we can learn from this invalid here. The other thing we're going to look at here this morning is just what can we learn about God from Jesus and what He did in this miracle? What, what can we learn about God as we look at Jesus and his interactions here. Um, you know, the first interaction Jesus had in this story was, was this. He just threw out this question here. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And just a side note here. Um, this thing here, it says, you know, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition. You know, for the record, I like the NIV and a lot of its translations, but on this one, I think they rendered this word differently than a lot of others. And a lot of others just say, and Jesus knew he had been in this condition. Um, it wasn't like he had to learn, like Jesus needs to learn some things about what's going on around him. He's God in the flesh, and it said he knew he had been in this condition for a long time. Uh, it seems like it would be a, a better rendering there. But um, anyways, um, but then he goes on to say this question. Can you imagine this? Imagine you, 38 years stuck. Some of you are still trying to figure out 38 years of anything. None of you, some of you are not even in your 30s yet. It's hard to be stuck for 38 years if you don't. But, um, but imagine you've been in some situation that you're stuck in for a really long time. And some Yahoo comes up to you and says... Do you want to get better? You know, that could almost be, do you want to get well? You know, could you imagine, what would your first response have been to someone? Maybe you didn't know Jesus at the time. I'm sure we'd all, you know, fallen on our face before Jesus and had a really righteous response. But if some guy comes up that you don't know and says, do you really want to get well in that area? Do you really want freedom in that area? What would you say? I'd be tempted to say, well, duh, I've been in this condition for 38 years. I kind of do want to get well. But, you know, why did Jesus ask him that question? 
You know, I think there's a couple of reasons there. Um, you know, I think um, some reasons. One, one might have been just to check him, to see if he'd given up hope. You know, why did Jesus pick this guy out of everybody else around that pool? You know, it, it doesn't say clearly. There's no specific reason. I think some speculate, and I, I would agree with them, but what if this guy, everyone was sitting there, they had their game plan, they wanted to get into the pool, but what if after 38 years this guy finally said, you know what, forget this jump in the pool game plan. I just don't even know what to do. I give up. And what if at that moment Jesus said, now I've got someone to talk to. Now I've got an audience. And he went and he approached that man. He might have given up. It's hard to say for sure. The other, the other thing could have been to find out if he really wanted to get well. You know, sometimes we have areas in our life, sin areas, where we go, I, I do want to, to get well. But deep inside and, and the motivations of our flesh, we might go, you know what? Actually, I kind of don't want to get well. Here's, you know, I understand I have to seek forgiveness or get right with God or confess with my accountability partners when things happen, but things happen, but... But I kind of, I'm familiar with this sin, this area of my life. It would actually be harder and, uh, you know, more challenging to change. Because I've grown comfortable in this way of life. He might have been comfortable. He might have, well, duh, you look at me and you go, yeah, we want freedom from this. But he might have grown used to it and familiar with it. And he might not actually have wanted change. Sometimes I wonder that about areas in our lives. You know, someone asked us, you know, pointed question, we really want success in that area, we really want obedience and victory in that. I think we'd say, yeah, duh. But Jesus asked us really quick, you know, and I think maybe we should let his words, his words maybe pierce our hearts this morning, challenge us a little bit. Take an area of your life, maybe an area where you've got struggles, maybe areas you've got shattered dreams. Can you imagine this guy? Do you think he, uh, his plan for his life was, you know what, I'm going to be an invalid, incapacitated for 38 years. That's exactly how I dreamed it would be. No, I bet you he had shattered dreams. I bet you it was not playing out for him like he had wanted. But let Jesus say this to you this morning, maybe through his Holy Spirit. Do you really want to get well in this area? In this thing that you're stuck in, in this thing in your life? I think it's a legitimate question. And I think he was really trying to get to the heart of it. He bumped him, he asked him this question, and what spilled out was his excuses and his blame and his lame game plan, you know. What else can we learn from this? Um, you know, Jesus, it doesn't give us a whole lot of things. It was not like this huge dialogue, you know. This is a pretty abrupt dialogue we have here. But... Uh, Jesus just says this, and this was kind of the cure. Jesus, then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. You know, that just seems like a kind of strange solution to it here. Um, we're going to just draw out a few more things about it that we can learn. You know, Jesus, he initiated with this guy that was helpless. You know, And, and I think we see that as well related to, to God. God... As it relates to the gospel, God has initiated with us. It's not like we called out to God, Hey God, come save me. Come create this elaborate plan of salvation that's going to include me and every person on the planet and come save me. No, He did that before we even ever had a clue we needed a Savior, right? Um, you know, and there's some reasons. You know, why did He help this man again we talked about? So maybe He had given up hope. Maybe He had get, let go of His plan, left a little room for God to work. 
Uh, maybe it was because of Isaiah 35.5. It talks about Jesus would um, open the eyes of the blind and the lame would walk. And maybe Jesus was like, hey, look, that's a prophecy that the Messiah is supposed to fulfill. So let me find a guy who has been lame, has been paralyzed and needs to walk. And he went and found this guy to fulfill the prophecy about himself. Um, and maybe it's just because he's a sovereign Lord and he can heal who he wants to heal. And, and not everyone, if that was thrown out to everyone, not everyone would want that. Some people go, yeah, I'll, I'll take any option as long as it doesn't include God and especially as long as it doesn't include Jesus. There's a lot of people like that in this world, sitting around the pool. But um, some other things we see in Jesus here... Um, I just think it's amazing that the cure, the miracle really happened. Jesus gave this guy a command. You know, he just said, what did he say? Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Uh, there's just some profound things here. I, I hope you go away chewing on these things and thinking about them this week. I, I've started my brain spinning, but some of them I'm still trying to wrap my hands around. You know, think about it. This guy has been sitting unable to walk for 38 years and a guy comes up to him and says, Get up. Walk. Take your mat. Get out of here. You know, it would be natural to say, Well, duh, that's the thing I have not been able to do for 38 years. Get up and walk. What are you telling me here? But, but he gave him a command. And, it, you know, related right to the, the heart of this guy's condition. You know, would, would he do it or not? Did he really want to be? You know, he could have said... Forget that. This is dumb. I don't even want to try that. You know, but, but he didn't. Um, the other thing I, I love about this is that Jesus gave him everything he needed to obey. You know, in one sense, it would have been really cruel. You walk up to a guy who's paralyzed and you tell him, Get up and walk. Stop moping around here. And that would be kind of cruel on one hand if, if, if he didn't have the ability to help at all, if he just left him as he was. But Jesus, it says right here, At once the man was cured. Jesus gave that man everything he needed to obey. And let me see. Oh, he gave him everything he needed to obey. And I think that's just awesome. You know, he didn't just say, that would have just been me. Get up. And the guys, you know, he tried struggling and tried to do it and fall back down. But Jesus, he said, get up. And then he gave him everything he needed to obey. You know, another thing just to think about. These are just thoughts I think worth pondering that... I think they might work their way into actions in our lives, in our situations. But, you know, the three miracles we've looked at so far, all of them happened in the context of Jesus gave a command and someone obeyed Him. You realize that? You know, it wasn't like abracadabra. It wasn't like, you know, the first miracle was He told these servants, take this water and take it to the, the head of the wedding here. And they took the water and they obeyed and they went. And somewhere along the way, Jesus miraculously caused that water to turn to wine. You know, think of the, the healing from last week. This guy was sick, about to die, the guy's son. And Jesus told him, go. Your son's going to be fine. And the guy didn't know for sure. Was he going to be fine or not with this guy? And he, he took him at his word and he left. And what happened? The guy was fine. He met, he met this entourage from his family there. I love that. They said, you know, he was healed at this time, you know, yesterday or whatever. And I'm sure the guy was like, I knew it. I knew it. The same time Jesus said that was going to happen, it happened. I knew it. But again, it was just the response to a command. He told the guy, go. Get out of here. He said it in a nice, loving way, I'm sure. But, um, but you know, your son will be fine, you know. And he, and he was. And, and this one, again, he says... 
you know, the solution was not like, okay, I sensed he had enough faith. I, I sensed everything was right. The guy's been calling out in prayer. And so Jesus responded. Jesus just met him right there. He knew the situation. And he said, get up. It's time to get up. Take your mat. Walk. And I think one of the applications we can have in this is that I think it's possible that if you have any area in your life that it's a struggle that you're not getting victory in, I'm almost positive there's probably a command in that area already where Jesus has said, hey, live in holiness. Live without impurity. Live, you know, in uh, freedom from sin and slavery to righteousness. Whatever it is, I'm positive there's probably a command that Jesus has given to us that we need to obey. And, and at the same time, and I think He's probably given us everything we, we need. Sometimes we can be like, well, if God would just give me the faith, then I'd obey. If God would just give me the desire so strong, I would do it. But, you know, I thought of this promise here from Second Peter chapter 1. It says this, Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, His glory and goodness, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. You know, I think Jesus has probably given us commands in every area that we're stuck in. And He also says, by the way, you have everything you need to get out of that, to obey. Sometimes we're waiting for something else, you know, and... And I think he has everything that we need already to obey him in that. And, and we could can, we can chew on that and wrestle with that a little more here. Um, the last thing we're going to look at here is just there's some things we can learn about God. There's some things we can learn about ourselves. And I think there's some applications that tie back in ultimately to the gospel here. You know, um, this miracle, the miracles we're looking at here... Um, you know, again, the whole table was set where John said, Hey, look, I recorded these. Well, let's just read it. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, uh, Jeff talked about the very first week that a miraculous sign, it's really, it's a miracle that happened in reality and time and space and history, but it's also a miracle that contained in it meaning. Meaning beyond just that one instance. And we're going to try to look at just a couple of these that relate to the gospel in that. Um, you know, one of them is fairly obvious. The goal is that he did these miracles, he recorded these miracles, so that you and I could believe that Jesus really was the Messiah who was to come. He really was the Savior. He really was God in the flesh. These John recorded so that we could catch that. Sometimes we can look at a miracle and go, okay, I see this miracle. Maybe the point in all this is that I need to go around and tell people, get up and walk. You know, I just, that's, that's the goal. Jesus did it, I should do it. Well, that's, that was nowhere communicated in this at all. Sometimes we can think, you know, if I just had enough faith, I could do miracles. If I move, I shake this or something, I don't know. Okay, there we go. Um, you know, we can think it's a, it's a faith faith thing. If we have enough faith, we could go around like Jesus and do these radical miracles. You know, in this story here, it never mentioned this man's faith once, and he received a miraculous healing. You know, in the, in the first one that we looked at, it didn't mention anything about the, the faith involved in the water changing to wine. Those servants, they may have believed, they may not have believed. We don't know. We just know they obeyed. 
And God did something miraculous. Sometimes we tie in miracles to faith. We can do miracles if we have enough faith, but that's not the lesson here. It's not the lesson in a lot of miracles, but one that we, we can learn what God is able to do and what Jesus did do to prove that He really was, um, you know, really authenticated Him as God in the flesh. Here's the Savior who was to come. But um, a couple other ones here we're going to look at. We're going to look at this last passage here and be done. Okay, we're doing time. Click, click. Give my cue back to the table there. Am I hitting the wrong button? Okay, meaning related to the gospel. Um, we're just going to look at this last section here. Look at a few things here. So God, uh, Jesus came. He healed this guy. Told him, get up, walk. The guy took off walking. It kind of cracked me up. Well, where did he go walking to? I have no idea. He just was supposed to start walking, right? Maybe he's just doing laps around the pool. Who knows? But eventually, we, we know where he did walk to. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. 38, I think. Is that one of my kids right there? I'm not sure. That could be. Um, I don't know. No, I don't think it is. At least not that I'm aware of. Um, but anyways, you know, the first thing I see here is just this guy. You know, in some ways, we look back on it and we go, okay, Jesus healed you, so obviously you led this new life. You were just revolutionized, transformed. You went to the temple because obviously you would go worship Him. You know, he had no clue who had healed Him. You know that? This guy just told Him, get up and walk, and He got up and walked. And in some ways, I think of this... Uh, you guys seen that TV show they have on the Discovery Channel or something like that? I think that's what it's called. I shouldn't be alive. Give so much glory to God, right? I shouldn't be alive, but I am. You know, um, that just seems like a bad idea. But, but I just think about this guy. You know, he's going 38 years. I could not move. I could not get into the water. And some guy came up to me and his interaction with me left me healed. And I, and he didn't know who, but I, I bet he started asking around, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. There were people all around him who knew who. The Jews knew who. They knew it was Jesus doing those darn miracles again on the Sabbath, you know, trying to help people out when they're supposed to be resting and not carrying your walking your your bed pads or whatever they were. Um, but he didn't know who it was. But somehow he ended up in the temple. And I don't know if people say, it sounds like something Jesus did, or if it just was in his own heart, he goes, you know what, those efforts that I had that left out God for 38 years, and I knew it, I knew the whole time, the answer was God, and I should go worship Him in the temple. Whatever happened there, he ended up going to the temple. Sometimes there's people that we bump into that they, they go, or the people on this TV show, they're like, I just don't know why I'm still alive. And I would just love to, I want to make a website someday. Maybe we'll have, maybe Alan, you can make a website for the church or something. It's kind of like uh, whyyouarestillalive.com, you know. And just tell them, you know, that had you died in the sin and the separation from God, you would have been lost forever with, from your relationship with your loving Father. And He decided to keep you alive instead of have you be forever lost. That's why you're still around. And, and figure out that it starts with God, but then God revealed Himself in person through Jesus Christ. And, you know, I just think it's something we've got to catch. So this guy eventually figured that out. Jesus said, by the way, I did it. Um, another uh, thing we can get out of here related to the gospel is just this phrase here. Jesus says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. 
You know, I, I think we see in that phrase there the, the contrast between the law, the Old Testament law of the Jews, and the grace, the New Testament grace of Jesus Christ. You know, the law would say something like, Stop sinning, and you may end up well. Stop sinning, get your act together, and then it'll be fine for you. But the New, New Testament grace of Jesus Christ, Jesus says, Hey, look, I have made you well. So stop sinning. Very different spirit about him. But sometimes we can find ourselves in the, okay, I want God's help. I need to get my act together. I need to obey this law. You know, the law was given to show us that we're sinners and we're helpless to do anything else. And the grace is that Jesus came and met us in our helpless state and graciously gave us a way out. And we've got to catch up. the heart of this, the meaning of this miracle here. Um, you know, uh, as it relates to the gospel again, I mean, this whole thing is just a picture of the gospel. We know that sin, um, the wages of sin is death. Sin causes us to be etern- earn eternal punishment. Sin causes us to be stuck. We can't get out of it. We are helpless to get out of it. And yet, the gospel is that Jesus came into this broken world, this broken, smelly, moaning, groaning world. And He came and He picked you and me out of the crowd. When we were helpless, He provided the help. When we were powerless, He gave us power. He did everything that was needed to to give us eternal life. You know, to be made well between, in, in this sense, spiritually speaking, is to, be, to have forgiveness of your sins. You want to be made well with God? You need to have forgiveness of your sins. And Jesus has done everything that was needed to people that were utterly helpless. And, and I think it's an awesome picture of the gospel. Um, the other part of it that, you know, uh, it says that he, we are to believe so that we can have life in His name. And life in His name, I think it relates to two things. It relates to eternal life, but it also relates to something we talked about in our small groups recently. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it to the fullest. You know, uh, some, some ways we're tempted to go, I've become a Christian now, I've got forgiveness of all my sins, and now I'm just going to be stuck in a rut for the rest of my life. But at least I have a new destiny, right? A new destination. I'm forgiven. But you know, that's, that's only part of the gospel. You know, the, the other side of the gospel is that not only are we forgiven for our sins that we will commit, we are also given a new power over sin. We don't have to stay stuck in sin for the rest of our lives. Some of us may go, yeah, I believe in the gospel. Jesus died for me. He helped me when I was helpless. I'm going to heaven. And we can stay stuck in patterns of sin the rest of our lives. And that was not the gospel at all. That doesn't sound like good news. Hey, look, you're stuck. You're in this broken, stinky, fallen world. But at least you've got someplace good you're going to go. No, Jesus wanted to allow us to have life to the fullest, even in this broken world, and to have a new destination. And, and so um, some of the meaning here, I just, again, would encourage you, one of the action steps here, one, if you're, you're not right with God, just to think about how He's done everything that's needed to help you out, to be right with God, uh, to have eternal life. Two, if you are a Christian, you know, we could be Christian invalids. And we, we could be headed to heaven and yet stuck. And I think Jesus' words to us would be the same. Hey, look, I've made you well. You are a new person. You are a child of God. Now stop sinning. Sometimes we can grow familiar with sin. You go, like, you know, I'm forgiven. Does it really matter? Yeah, it really matters. He has a better life for you and I. A life of freedom. A life of fullness. 
a life for eternity as well here. So those are just some, some things that we can all maybe take with us. This week we're not having small group, but I encourage you to, to take this with you. Examine yourself. See if there's any areas you feel stuck in. And maybe ask someone in your life if they see any areas that you are stuck in. Um, that might help out as well. But then might try to identify any thinking that has got you there. Boy, you know, others are getting in the way. No one's helping me. You know, my game plan, I'm just sticking with it. And God does just not seem to want to take my script. Um, you, I encourage you, maybe get some help. Have someone in your life help you out with that. And, you know, and just lastly, just see how these things tie into the gospel for eternal life and for abundant life here. We're going to pray and we will continue to celebrate on Father's Day here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we just we just thank you. We just praise you. We worship you. It's just awesome to think that you could just tell a paralyzed man to get up, and he could get up and walk. And we just praise you, Lord. It's clear to us that you were God in the flesh, that you were the Messiah who was prophesied to come. And we just thank you. I pray that uh, you would help each one of us, though we may believe, help us to have life in your name, eternal life and abundant life. God, you know the areas that we might be stuck in. Stuck with lame excuses. Stuck with blame shifting. Stuck with a game plan that is not yours. God, help us just give it all up to you and take what you give us, Lord. And God, I just, uh, I'm just struck by how the pool was not even a part of your solution for this guy. Not even a part. And Lord, areas where we're off in our thinking, uh, help us to see it. Help us to give it up and take your best for our lives. I pray you bless uh, each one of our fathers on this Father's Day. Bless all the dads that are here. Um, God, we just thank you that you're our Heavenly Father and that you're perfect and that um, we will spend eternity with you. But we just pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, thank you guys for coming this morning. We'll see you Wednesday night right here for some outreach. And dads, make sure you make the most of your gifts,